You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 233, Sherry Lynn Bisbano and the struggle for identity in Christ. Friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. As always, I'm delighted that you are on board with us today. So grateful that you've downloaded and found the show. And if you enjoy it, would you do me a favor and just share it with a friend, send it to him, or when it comes up in conversation. I heard my friend Justin Brady, who I know is a faithful listener uh, to this show, say this. He said, it's way better if you're enjoying the show and it comes up in conversation. Somebody says, Hey, what podcast do you like? If you just recommend halfway there, uh, because you're, you've been listening to it, that would mean the world to me. I appreciate it. Uh, friends, uh, we have a really great conversation today. Our guest, she is an award-winning author and speaker. She does a bunch of other things. She'll tell us about that. Sherry Lynn Bisbano. Sherry Lynn, welcome to halfway there. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have a truthful conversation with you. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm excited to to do that and uh, to hear more about your story and kind of all the, the interesting things that you have going on. Tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and where God has you right now. Right now, God has me in a healing process. <laughs> um, I We've lost up to 18 close friends and family within two years, and I'm still grieving. And that grieving process has uh, ignited my fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. So God has me in a healing process. But also I I am editing and ghostwriting and helping writers, you know, on their path to, to publication. I'm also working on a course for Christian women entrepreneurs to stand firm and shine in their business, in the, uh, in their home and in the community. So oh, I that's lo- kind of what I'm doing. I, it's, it sounds like a lot, but I, I just, I, that's what God has me doing yeah. now and I'm enjoying it. Well, it sounds like some interesting uh, things there, work that you're doing. And I'm sorry to hear about all those losses. I know that that can mount up and, and really that's very difficult. Do you, do you find it hard to work going through all those traumas? Yes. Uh, my, you know, we have the hope that our loved ones are with Jesus if they knew Jesus. And all but one um, of those um, losses, I'm confident, knew Jesus. And just having it one on top of the other, it, it, it's it's just like being in a boxing ring and just getting punched over and over and over again. Yeah. And I feel like I've... I haven't been knocked out, but God has me in the I, I, the um, healing tent, getting getting His healing and His love, because we know. I mean, it's it's scientifically proven that your brain can't handle that much, and it will. It will. It, I have brain fog, memory loss, yeah. a lot of that stuff. But I have the joy of the Lord knowing that he is with me through this. And I am I am being good and kind to myself and allowing myself to heal. I've stepped back from a lot of work 
um, because of it, but I'm still doing little things that make me happy and helping people makes me happy and encouraging my brothers and sisters in Christ makes me happy. Teaching the word of God just brings me such joy. It's, it's like I'm, I'm preaching to myself and it just gives such joy. So the things I'm working on now energize me. They don't take, they don't zap me of my energy. Mm, I love that. I can totally relate to, you know, our, our family, you know, we, we just met, so you wouldn't know this, but our family went through, it feels like two years of really just kind of trauma, nothing like 18 losses, but we, we, our family had a school shooting at our kid's school in 2019. And then, of course, we all know what 2020 was. So I can relate to some of that, like just kind of being like, Hey, this is hard. And then the, the kind of trauma brain that you described brain fog and memory and like all that stuff just happens. And so I, I appreciate you being here and I appreciate that you're still, still kind of working and serving the people that God's given you to serve. So thanks for that. I want to hear more about your story. And I know um, that you didn't grow up in a Christian family. Tell us, tell us what that was like. You were kind of in, in new England, right? Yes. Um, well, my, my biological father was, I call him my biological father because (laughs) he was very abusive in every way you can imagine. And I tell people, I don't go into details because nobody needs to know the details. They don't need those pictures in their head. They need to know that God can get them out of it, but, um, get out of the pain that was caused. But um, yeah, we grew up in an abusive home. Um, I grew up believing that I was no good, that I would amount to nothing, um, that I was ugly. And I grew up like that. But I was one of those people that could sweep it all under the rug and walk around with a smile on my face and everybody think I was okay. And I wasn't. And when I was serving, I served in the military and I was in Hawaii and I, the Lord was calling me and I was learning how, how I wanted to know how to get to heaven. You know, I, I went the, I didn't do the normal route. I started reading Nostradamus and all these other things. And we know that you, you were on a search. <laughs> what was it? What was it like? Uh, describe that time for us. Cause I want to, I, this is the kind of thing that I'd love to get into really um, deeply. Cause I think a lot of people have these experiences, but we don't always share it. So like, what was that like? You were on the search, you're reading like Nostradamus. I don't know, were you into other things like uh, horoscopes and that kind of stuff? Or were you just like on the I, search I for truth? Never, yeah. I was on the search for truth and the way to heaven. And I had, a, I had a few people in my life that were born again, Christians. One of them gave me a Bible, but when I tried to read the Bible, I just could not understand it. Um, I was going through a lot in my my Navy career. I was one of the first female airborne communication supervisors in the 80s. And a lot of people really, a lot of the men really didn't like the fact that I was their um, supervisor. And so I went through a lot of pain and heartache there, a lot of lies, a lot of accusations. And and. getting my heart broken, things like that. But I kept searching for the truth. And my sister Charlene followed me to Hawaii and she wasn't doing well either. And so I felt like I had to be strong for her. It was a very difficult place, but I have to say I had a lot of fun while I was there because I was one of those people that went from 
fun to fun to fun and, you know, looking for purpose and trying to find meaning. And, you know, I put a lot of my identity in how people responded to me, if they liked me or not. And especially men because of the, of my father. And I was a good girl, quote unquote, good girl. But um, if I was, re if I was rejected by a guy, it was devastating. And um, it, it, it just, that's how I lived my, through my teens and twenties into almost uh, 30, but the Lord saved me at the age of 27. But it was, it was a, it was a process. And I remember the girl that gave me the Bible who wanted to live like a Christ-like life. She, she was a weak Christian. I don't want to say she, well, I shouldn't, yeah, I'm being judgmental, but you know, she didn't do what the Bible said. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know now that many Christians don't because we're a work in progress. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, I, and that happened to me, you know, I left, I left the Navy and came home to Rhode Island. And then I joined the Air National Guard and I went, uh, I knew God was calling me. I still didn't stop my search. How did you know that? I, I just felt there was this, I know it now in hindsight, sure. but I felt this urging to know more about heaven and know more about God. And so I went to combat camera school out in Denver, Colorado. Yay. <laughs> and yay. And every I was there for three months, and every one of my roommates was a born-again Christian, but one. And they, one of them, um, she would read her Bible and everything, but when she came back, she complained about everybody in her class. And I'm thinking, my. I don't want to be a Christian if they complain in like that, but I turned into one of those complaining Christians, but <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then I remember, I think I was out there for Easter or Thanksgiving. I can't remember exactly when, but these three born again believers saw me and they're like, what are you doing for the holiday? What, you're not going home. I said, no, I can't afford it. And why don't you hang out with us? And I hung out with them for a day and a half, and they were so in love with Jesus. They showed me the love of Christ. And when I went back home, um, my sister Charlene was still in Hawaii. She wasn't doing well. And, she, and so we said we'd go pray for her. And she had already become a believer. And she was one of those get rid of your boyfriend, you got to go to church, you know, beat you over the head type of Christians. And we never really wanted to talk to her because we you know, were like, man, she went from, from, from one extreme to the other, like a holy roller. But when she called and asked us to pray for her, you know, um, for some personal reasons, we said, yeah, we'll try to go find a church and pray. And we, we ended up in this little church in Hope Valley, Rhode Island. And past the pastor took us through the Romans road. Our, you know, do you want to, we told him about our sister and he said, well, do you know Jesus? And what I said was after he went through the whole Romans road, I said, I'm not good enough. And he went and got the song just as I am. And I read it. And my sister, Jesse, and I said, yes, we want Jesus. 
And from there on, I was in the church every single day, every time that, that the doors were open. I was memor- I was in the word of God. I was memorizing the word of God. I was still broken. I was still that a, a perfectionist. I was a perfectionist. I mean, I, when I went to school, I, if I didn't get a hundred, I was a loser. I got a 97. Yeah. I didn't get a hundred. So I was a loser in my eyes. So you were really, it was really an identity thing, right? Trying to make, trying to live up to some sort of expectation that you felt, but maybe wasn't necessarily there. Absolutely. I was trying to find my identity in men, trying to find my identity in my job, uh, everywhere, but in Christ. And when I finally, when the Lord finally called me and I accepted his free gift and got in the word of God and allowed the word of God to transform my heart and my attitude, that's when I started believing how much God loved me. And, you know, the, the word of God says that we are to forgive. And I didn't want to forgive my biological father. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me because you're going to have to help me love him the way you want me to love him and forgive him. And what the Lord revealed to me was you have to accept my love first before you can love someone else. And so I started praying Ephesians 3, 17 through 20, you know, that verse that says, out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen us in our inner being, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and established in love. You know, that that is and that is such a powerful, powerful prayer. And I started praying that um for my father and for me. And I started really, God started chipping away at all the walls that I built up. And I really started understanding the love of God for me. And I'm still understanding it. I'm not there yet. But that love helped me to see my biological father as God does. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Jesus says to pray for your enemies, right? And that's, this is why, because it, because it gives you this kind of, uh, you know, ability to forgive and accept yourself and see them, like you said, as God sees them. I love that. Um, okay. So interesting. Was there, was there, it sounds like that verse was really powerful for you. Was there like a, did you have a, a moment when this happened or did it just happen in increments as you were going or was it, oh, it something was stand out? It, it, it was a long time. Um, I started memorizing the word and the two Bible verses that uh, came to mind at first is I really, wanted to see myself as God sees me. And so I, I memorized uh, Ephesians 1, 4, where it says, he chose us before the foundations of the world to be holy and pleasing in Christ. And then in Psalm 139, where it says he ordained all of our days before we lived them. And I said, and I said to myself, if God ordained all of our days and he knew everything I was going to do, and he still chose to save me, it has nothing to do with anything I can do. It's all about him. Yes. And, 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 and it wasn't, it, it didn't happen overnight and it's still a process. I, I still, I, I liken myself to that man on the mat at the pool of Bethesda. And there's so many people, oh, Eric, there's so many people in this position as Christians 
they're on that mat and they're waiting for the pool, the pool to stir so they can get in there, but there's no way they can get in there. Right. And Jesus comes and he says, do you want to be healed? And everybody's going to jump. Everybody wants to say yes, but they're so comfortable in their misery. I wrote a, I wrote a story about that and it's in, it's in a book called breaking the chains. It's called comfortable in misery. And I, I talk about how there I was and people, you know, he was there what for 38 years, 37 yeah, it years. It was a long time. And I was, I think at the time I was 32, I said, I don't want to be like him for 38 years where I talk about how he was on his mat and how the mat probably was embedded in his skin because he was there for so long. And it started to, you know, the mat probably formed the shape of his body. And and that was his identity. And it's work, Eric, to change our, to let God change our identity we have to get up on that altar and let god perform spiritual surgery in our hearts in our minds so that we can see ourselves as christ sees us that's what i call it i mean i wrote a book called shine don't whine and i call it spiritual surgery that process of the holy spirit using the word of god which is that sword which is that little tiny um instrument that sword that will cut out all the lies and replace it the lies and the sin and replace it with his love and healing and we need to do that and i've met so i I don't want to say so many but i have met christians who are comfortable in misery and they do not want they say they want to but they're they're not willing to to trust that Jesus can do it. Well, I think the hard part is certainly in American evangelicalism is we've been told, um, and this is changing maybe, but we've been told that the gospel is really for someday, right? So it's you're saved for eternity, for heaven, however you want to put that. And I don't think that's the gospel at all. Like if you look at what Jesus preached, and this is why I love Dallas Willard, for instance, if you look at what Jesus preached, he said, hey, the kingdom of God is near. It's here. It's a hand, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a very, hand. Yes. very immediate and very available. And so when you talk about healing, whether it's emotional healing that you need, or I, I believe even physical healing, I don't think Jesus was the only one who, who does those things. I, I, I believe that, which I didn't want, by the way, when I started this podcast, but I do today <laughs> um, because it, it's because it's the, the coming of the kingdom of God today and right now. And it sounds like you had to figure out how to accept that in your life because you did have this sort of one identity that was given to you and you had to go through a process of letting God give you a new identity. Correct. And you know, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean we work for our salvation. But if we want to be saved by the from the lies and saved from the pain of the past, we need to work it out with God, and we need to be in the Word of God, and we need to we need to stand firm on His Word and take Him as His Word and apply the Word. I mean, without memorizing and meditating, you're not going. Nobody's going to change. I am. I, I want to say I'm the poster child for change. I mean, there's so many other ones out there too. But for identity, for identifying, you know, identity in Christ, I mean, I hated myself. Nobody would know that. 
And I, I had no confidence. I have God confidence now. I don't have self confidence. I have Christ confidence. Yeah, I love that. Because anytime we put self in, into it, you, you might as you might as well know you're gonna fail because self is gonna get in the way and you're gonna fail. Yeah. But well, so Sherilyn, I love that. I want to say, friends, if you're out there and you relate to to what Sherilyn just said about hating herself. I just want to invite you to do this one, one thing, ask the Lord to show you who he sees you to be, knows you to be right. To show you who he wants you to be. Cause he, I, this is, you, you've been quoting Ephesians a lot. I love Ephesians two ten. right? That the idea mm-hmm. of that we are his, a poema, his poetry, his workmanship, his craft, yes. right. That he his made. Masterpiece. Yeah. His to, masterpiece. to, to do good works that he had it for us to do from the beginning before the beginning of the world. I believe that's true about you friends. And so if you yes. don't believe it, then it's as simple as just praying and asking God to show you who mm. he thinks you are. And that might be the most powerful prayer that you'll, that you'll pray. So, okay. Sherry Lynn, thank you so much for that. And I love, um, I, I, I just had to give that kind of, that kind of, uh, yes, you know, yes. charge. I to friends. say too is, um, I, and I, I'm not about selling my book. I'm about getting the getting the testimony in people's hands. But my book, Shine Don't Wine, goes through, I say it's my raw and realistic journey through uh, spiritual surgery. And I use the acrostic star. And the S is see yourself as God sees you. And the T is transform your mind with the word. And the A is always pray. And the R is refined to shine. And it answers the questions. I didn't go through, I didn't write this book to answer questions for people, but it has. It answers the question, does God hear me? Does God hate me? How does God see me? Um, Why bad things happen to good people? It answers all those questions because, and and it's, it's a great Bible study for people. It's a great reminder it's it's chock full of Bible verses and stories. It's very relatable. Um, and and it, this is a book that God and I did together. And I would really, really love people to get it. Not not because I'm going to make any money off of it. Writers don't make money. Um, but That's because true. it is a great tool. It's a great tool for women's ministries, for pastors. It, it goes through everything in such a clear and concise manner. I had a pastor tell me, Sherry Lynn, your before salvation and after salvation, um, how God sees us, is the clearest and concise um, information and explanation I've ever heard. I'm like, praise God, because he helped me do it, (laughs) you know? Right. But I'm not, please, I'm not about trying to sell books, but I'm about getting the message out there. There's so many, God, each one of us has a message in us. And if whoever's listening, God has a testimony through you and so he wants to use you to breathe life into other people but he first needs to breathe life into you and 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 none of us have arrived and he can use you in your brokenness but he can use you even more once you've allowed him to heal you yeah and he has he has a word in and through you and in his and he has people he wants you to talk to and minister to and only in he wants to use you to do it. Yeah, I'm convinced that 
it's it's difficult to be a Christian without purpose, right? Um, uh, yeah. Because you have a purpose that God has given you. Okay, I want to hear more of your story. So it sounds like early part of your formation was this kind of changing your identity. Um, was there, you know, was there more, you know, to your kind of, you know, developing that kind of learning the way of Jesus for you? Like what other, were there other mentors or, or people who kind of invested in you? I had um, a few mentors, one specifically, her name was Sue Carey. And we spent so much time together. She became my mentor, but then she became my best friend. And we would go on walks and we would memorize Bible verses and we would study the Bible together. And we became, we were in each other's lives. I was there when her kids had their grandkids. I was there when we were there for so much for each other. And she passed away about 15 years ago. She's with Jesus. She's more alive than ever. That's the way I like yeah. to say it. But um, uh, right now, I <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is the one that's teaching me. I do I do some on, I do online Bible studies and stuff. But I'm doing a lot on my own. And one of the things that God has taught me mostly is um, at a point in my life I was complaining a lot. And if, as a Christian. Oh, I knew the word of God. I knew the word. I People would ask me about Bible verses and where to find this and that. But I wasn't applying it to me. And so one day I woke up and I really needed an attitude change. <laughs> I've been there. And, and, and I'm teaching the word. I'm, I'm traveling and I'm speaking and teaching the word, but I needed the attitude change. And the Lord led me to Philippians 114, where it says, do everything yeah. without complaining and arguing. So you can shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And that's how my book, Shine, Don't Wine, came about with the star across it. Because ah. um, I want to be a star. And um, even in even in um, Daniel, there's there's a Bible verse that says, um, the wise will sh- the wise will shine like stars and bring many to the knowledge of the Lord or something. I forgot something like that. I don't remember it exactly, but I think it's Daniel twelve three. But yes, stars. I mean, a star is in the night sky could be pitch black in that one star. And Jesus was Jesus was people were led to Jesus by a star, and so I want to be that star that points people to Jesus. Yeah. How did you overcome complaining as a, as a practice? Like what did you do? Was it overnight? I through my steps. I, I Yeah. It would, it wasn't overnight. I had to, I went through my steps. I had to see myself as God sees me transform my mind to pray continually and um, realize what I had to realize was Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. Um, we are in this world we are in a battlefield. We are in a war. When we wake up, we need to wake up knowing we're in a war. We need to put on our armor. We need to know that bad things are going to happen. There are no good people. We are, unless we are in Christ, God sees us in Christ. But there are no righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. So we, Christians are a work in progress. And God sees us as righteous because we're in Christ. But what I had to do is I had to recognize that the world, 
is filled with the effects of sin. The effects of sin are are people making bad choices like murder and adultery, people getting sick like cancer. Um, and so that's going to happen. That That's a given. So do I want to go through this world with God or without God? Right. And some people... And some people are like, well, why does God allow babies to die and, and hurricanes and stuff? It's the effects of sin from the Garden of Eden. And we're not God. We God could stop it, but God has a plan. And his plan is to take whatever bad happens and turn it into something better. And that something better in our individual lives is making us more like Christ. You know, people quote Romans 8.28 all the time, but they forget Romans 8.29. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I'm curious, um, have you ever had then like a moment of, or a time, a season where you had kind of a dark night of the soul or, or a time when you maybe questioned God? When I started getting sick again, but see what happened. I don't want to say I questioned God, but I, I, I was very blessed Eric, to be in a church that the scripture and memorization of scripture was so important. And standing on his promises was so important. But I did have a dark night of the soul where I didn't want to be around anybody. I had just come back from Honduras, three months of doing missionary work in Honduras. And I was sick. And some other things were going on in my personal life. Um, thought I was going to marry this guy and that wasn't going to happen. And... I was being accused uh, because I wasn't going to church because I was sick. I was accused of being in sin because I wasn't fellowshipping. Oh, wow. A lot of stuff going on. I could not open my Bible. I could barely do one thing a day. That's how sick I was. However, what I did was I, I was, I remember this vividly. I was laying on my couch, crying and calling out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, you have to help me. I can't do this. I, I I need you. I'm broken. I need you to hug me. I need you. I need to know that you're there. And I felt this warm feeling like a hug. Mm. And I'm not saying that will happen to everybody, but that was my deepest, darkest moment. But it, people would come to my door. I wouldn't answer my door. Um, I would avoid people. I, I just wanted to be alone with God. And I knew he was there, but I had to keep those by those um, verses that I memorized, the Holy Spirit brought them back to mind in the darkness of my soul and brought light to the darkness. And that's why I think you and I were discussing before. It's so important to, to know God's word, to memorize God's word. It's not hard. If anybody wants an easy way to know how to memorize God's word, they can contact me. Um, because God wants us 
to know his word. You know, he he wants to make us more like Jesus. And the only way we can be more like Jesus is to know Jesus. And Jesus is the word. And God gives us everything we need for life and godliness according to our knowledge of Jesus. And these are all Bible verses. These are things that I quote to myself when I start doubting. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So it sounds like that's a way that God is used to really uh, encourage you at a time when, when you otherwise, uh, might not have, you know, been eager to, to trust him. Yes. Yes. And because at first I was not, because my biological father, um, failed me, how could a holy heavenly father even want anything to do with me? And that's, that was a slow process. And I have to say there was one aha moment in my life where I realized how much God loved me. In the Bible, the word Abba is used a few times, but in the New Testament, I believe it's twice. And um, it means daddy. And it, when I was, I was um, attending a Bible study and the, the woman and his and her husband were both, she was, she's Jewish. She reads her Bible in Hebrew. And um, he grew up there. He was in the Israeli army. And so he taught from a Jewish perspective. And that's how they raised their kids. So we show up one day, Eric, and the girl, she's a teenager. And as we walk into the house, she she's going to her bedroom, storming to her bedroom and closes the door. She doesn't slam it, but she closes it a little hard. And her mom says, when you're ready to come out, you come out and apologize. And I don't know what happened. I don't need to know what happened. But about 15 minutes later, she comes out and her father is sitting in a chair getting ready to conduct Bible study. She sits in his lap, puts her arms around him and, and hugs him and kisses his neck and then looks him in the eye. And she says, oh, Abba, would you forgive me? And, she, and he said, absolutely. I love you. I've already forgiven you. And it makes me, I mean, I'm choking, I'm thinking about it, but God, people think it's sacrilegious to think that we can't envision ourselves sitting in our Abba Father's lap and just getting a hug. He's our Abba Father. Yeah, there's an intimacy to that, that uh, yes. I was thinking about this today because uh, I actually was listening to a sermon uh, driving down the road. And which I honestly, I never do anymore, but I just happened to flip in through the stations and heard it. And so I was listening and um, the guy was talking about how God is, you know, transcendent, right? He's this, he's high and lifted mm -hmm. up and he was talking about Isaiah six and that's all true. I love that. But then my thought was, but that's not all that's true, right? Because so I, it, we got to be careful when we say those things, because he's also like you're describing imminent and, and close and intimate with us. And that's what he wants to be with us. And so we have to kind of, it's to, to let one take precedence over the other diminishes the mystery of both. And we have to Amen. have the both, both of them. So I love that story. And we, we need to remember that God is there. He is accessible. And that's the beauty of, of the gospel and of Christ. I, I heard a pastor, um, say he's he was talking about when god bends his ear to us and listens to us and he said in the original language it's like a father bending down 
and opening his arms so his little child can run into his arms and give him a big hug and whispering in their ear, I love you. Yeah. I mean, I never had a father like that. I never had a biological father that did that. So um, (laughs) to have a godly, you know, Abba Father that I can go to like that, it's it's comforting. And I know he's never going to leave me because he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And nothing can separate me from his love. That's another Romans verse. That's why, you know, I memorize all these verses, not to say, oh, look at me. I know all these verses. I do it because they give me life and they sustain me. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And I love the way that the scriptures have given you an identity with mm-hmm. the Lord. That That's good. Did you, so how have you, because I think identity, I'm hearing this theme of identity for you. How, how have you, like maybe since that dark night or maybe it wasn't that season, but how how have you, is there any other ways that God has sort of helped you define who you are in kind of your work and your, and what you're, what you think he's calling you to do? Yes. Um, he's given me the gift of encouragement. And so in my work, I, enc- I can encourage and teach. I mean, my writing work itself, I can encourage and teach them to get, you know, toward the publishing, toward their publishing goal, God catapulted me into the writing world. Um, I started, I went to a conference in 2014, um, thinking, I don't want to write. I'm a speaker, not a writer, and when we're asking for my books. And so I went to a conference, and this best-selling author, I won't name him, he, he just, he invested his time and money in me, and we're still friends to this day. I uh, became, God got me, um, he just catapulted me into this, this, to this literary world where I became the managing editor of a writing website. Then I started becoming a literary um, a submissions reader and editor. Then I started doing book proposals. Um, and it was all God catapulted me. And I, I got to interview Tons of best-selling writers like Jerry Jenkins and, and and Liz Curtis Higgs. And there's just so many of them. And I'm not name-dropping because this is what God has done. And I've learned so much. And so I took all of that and I'm investing into other people because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to invest in other people like I was invested in. And I don't charge as much money as most people do because... I listen to God and he tells me what I, you know, I do have rates, but he, he tells me what I need to be charging. And a lot of people are telling me you're not charging enough. I'm like, I'm going by what God tells me to do. (laughs) And, and I just see God has given me the ability to help people tell their story because I've been there. Yeah. I I love that. I can, I can, I can, you know, the pain may be different, all pain is different, but pain is pain. And you can, I can help them with the words. Um, you know, people say to me, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I can see where your gift of encouragement will be really valuable to a writer, right? Like, cause writing is hard business. Like it's, it's a oh, hard thing to that. do. Yeah. So I can see that I, I worked for a little while for a little publisher and I, I could see all the, it's so much hard work 
uh, to, to get through all that. And people don't know, you know, when, when a book comes out, they're like, oh, they just wrote a book. No, no, no. There's so much more <laughs> that goes you into. You write a book. It's a lot of work. But to write a good book is excruciating. <laughs> it's, like having, it's like having a baby. That's right. It is. I, I Was it, uh, I can't remember if it was Churchill or C.S. Lewis or somebody who said, uh, everybody wants to have written a book, <laughs> but yeah. nobody nobody wants to actually do the work to get to write it's the book. It's a lot of work, and 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 since I've been through the work, I can help and encourage. And as a speaker, I'm I'm approachable, and I I tell it like it is. I I try to grace and truth, um, tell the truth in love, and I use. You know, I'm not afraid to talk about my own downfalls and things like that as a speaker, but I know enough of the word of God to be able to get, I'm, I am ready in season and out of season. The Lord, you know, the Bible says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. I'm always ready to give a reason for the hope that is in me. And I have memorized almost all of my teachings. I don't like to say my teachings, but the teachings, because I want to be ready. And God has used that so many times. And it's not just, well, wait a minute, this is what I teach. It just kind of comes out, you know, talking about the will of God or going through stress or, you know, even my star principle. It, it, and it helps me with my brain, you know, because I have ADHD as well. <laughs> yeah, to remember. And, and it helps me to remember, but it helps other people to remember too. I love that. I love that you're using what it is God's giving you to to do that. Uh, very good. Well, Sherilyn, where do you where do you see this all going for you? You know, in the next, let's say, three to five years, where where do you see God using all this? I really, really want to take the message He's given me, which is stand firm and shine. Um. I want to be used by God to equip the saints. I am the host of a live broadcast called Talking Stand Firm with international prophecy teacher and pastor Jake McCandless. Boy, that sounds, <laughs> but we talk about standing firm. Our, our hearts are to equip the saints because in the end times and even now, things are going to be difficult. You know, we can we can coast through. People can swim through a pond that's that's very calm, but when the waves start hitting, they're going to drown if they don't know how to grab hold of the life preserver or their arms are not strong to swim. And we want to prepare people to be strong and stand firm, and that's part of being in the Word of God and seeing yourself as God sees you and praying. And knowing that we are in a world that is affected by sin. And in you asked me in, in three years, I would, if God gives me one person to talk to, or a thousand or a million people to talk to, I want to be prepared to do that. I love that. I think and I see myself doing that. I, if God invited me to wherever the Hollywood bowl or whatever. And I was to speak to millions of people. My fear would be misrepresenting the word of God. Yeah. Super, super important. Okay. Well, I love that. And I hope that you get the opportunity. I, I whether, whatever it is, I, it's been fun to kind of hear 
a little bit of your story and hear where God's leading you, that identity piece really resonates with me. I think it's very important and I think is a essential piece of uh, the, the journey uh, in Christ. So thank you for sharing it, Sherry Lynn. Where can thank people you find for you? Letting me share. I could talk in, about God all day long, but uh, I'm so glad you do this because believers, Satan, Satan wants to convince believers that they're, especially now with the COVID restrictions that they're in it all alone and nobody cares about them. And but it's not true. It's not true. God is there. 100%. And if God is the only one that's there. That's all you need. That's enough, right? And uh, we always, like you said, we always have scripture. And uh, there, you know, it's never been more possible to be connected. I'm a big believer in social media used for the right things. Uh, I think that's great as well. Um, friends, you can find, so we we have links to everything as we always do at Halfway There on halfwaytherepodcast.com. Just go check out the show notes. There's a summary of the, the episode and links to everything that we talked about. So you can find Sherry Lynn's website, her book, Shine Don't Wine, everything else, as well as related episodes, other things that if you want to find those to listen to as well you can find it so um sherry lynn is there anything you want to leave us with my biggest desire is i I think of the word emmanuel and that's the word that i keep clinging to especially when i went through all of this um heartache and pain and i'm cutting out the other side of it but emmanuel god with us emmanuel is not just a christmas carol it's a way of life it's live emmanuel god is with you wherever you go talk to him ask him for strength ask him for courage ask him just to hug you because god is with you he lives inside of you if you are a believer and if you're not you can be it's easy as abc Acknowledge you're a sinner separated from God. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross. And C, cry out and confess to God for those who confess with their mouth. Oh, what is what is that verse in, in Romans? He who believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. God wants you. He's calling you. He loves you. He, he Nothing you could do or ever do could separate you from his love. I love that. Wow. Emmanuel is not just a Christmas carol. It's a way of life. That's right. Jesus, God is God. Come close. I love that. That is perfect. Sherilyn, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Eric. And um, God bless you. And I'll keep praying that God just keeps guiding people to you and that the listeners will really just press into Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.